Hello, and welcome to this special San Clemente episode of the Low Key Podcast, episode 34. This episode is sponsored by Justin's. Justin's creates a nut butter that's naturally delicious with flavors like honey, hazelnut, vanilla, and chocolate. If you have a sweet tooth, try their peanut butter cups, which come in white chocolate and dark chocolate. So check out Justin's and get a tasty treat. Now, without further ado, Jeff with Bear Coast Coffee. It's nice. It's easy. It's low-key. Let's get started. guys, welcome to the Low-Key Podcast. I'm with Jeff. Kleinard. That's a very difficult name to pronounce, last name. It's up there, it's <laughs> up there, yeah. Um, with Bear Coast Coffee, um, he's one of the owners, or you are the I am it, I am the owner. the owner. Yeah. Um, so, tell us a little bit about um, what made you first get into coffee. Way back in the day? Okay, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, for... Like the very beginning of the story, I was uh, a writer and a comedian up in Los Angeles, actually. Wow. Yeah. Uh, and it relates, I promise. And I was doing that for many, many years. And we would have a lot of writers meetings and other things like that at coffee shops because that was everybody's office, you know. Mm-hmm. And I just found myself falling in love with what was happening behind the bar more so than the work we were doing on the customer side. Yeah. Um, and just, and so, you know, as time went on like my wife and I met each other and we started dating we got engaged and she asked me a very pointed question of what do you want to do when, when you make it when you're like a successful writer or a successful mm-hmm. comedian and I was like oh I can't wait to retire and open a coffee shop and so she was like you know you should just do that now I bet like it's, it'd make a lot more sense for you to like actually chase after that dream rather than doing this thing that you want to be able to finish someday so mm-hmm. uh, I got a part-time job at Pete's actually Okay. And even though, like, I didn't, I, I liked the coffee, because Pete's, as far as, like, the big chains go, is really, really great, and their training's wonderful, but I just loved interacting with the customers, and I found that, like, all those years of comedy experience and, like, interacting with, like, uh, audiences and other people like that were not half as satisfying as being able to just, like, make someone coffee, maybe have, like, an interesting conversation really quickly, and then send them okay. on their day. So, from then, I got into coffee working for them for a little while, and then, Helped found a little coffee shop called uh, Portola Coffee Lab that then grew into Portola Coffee Roasters. Okay. Yeah, so it was part of the, I wasn't one of the owners or anything like that, but I was uh, their brand manager and general manager for three and a half years and really helped them grow at the very beginning of it all. And then I had a kid, left, took a little bit of break, and came up with a business plan and started Bear Coast. That's crazy. What's the, what's the difference between, like, for you being an owner and then from um, being a general manager? Being a GM and being an owner... I think there's not as much of a difference. I think there's the biggest change is being a barista and being a general manager or an owner. Because management stuff, it's it's like to put it simply, it's just it's not the sexy fun stuff. Like you yeah. don't get to pour good lattes, you don't get to sit there and like dial in a coffee, you're dealing with bad Yelp reviews, you're dealing with payroll, you're dealing <laughs> with like taxes, insurance and making sure everything works. And for me it's really satisfying still though, because it's still so human focused, but it's now a role of supporting your staff. And so I like. Yeah. I think the biggest difference between being an owner and being a barista is that your focus is on supporting those people that then support your customers. And so it's making sure that my manager has what he needs, you know, emotionally and financially and, and also just equipment-wise. And, 
Yeah, that's the biggest difference. It's just who you're focusing on. Still people, but just different people. Yeah. So what what started the the journey of Bear Coast? What how how did you create it? How did that happen? That's a real good question. I uh, it was out of a need. I was taking a break from coffee because I, I was working really hard with Portola. It was a startup, so we were just throwing everything we wanted to, everything we could at it. So once I had my daughter, I really needed to take a step back and took a, take a break and, and not do anything for a little while. Yeah. And after about uh, half a year of doing that and just helping my wife with her business, I looked around San Clemente where I've lived now for many years, and there was just nothing on the coffee landscape that I would be proud of or I could really feel comfortable in or that really brewed what I liked. I was just brewing a bunch of stuff in my garage. And so I sat with my wife, came up with a business plan and an idea of like, let's just test it out and see if there's anybody else like me in San Clemente that really kind of wants something different. Yeah. Because I still, I already loved a lot of the local coffee shops because they were owned by local people and it was really great, but they just, they were there to be there, not there to produce anything they could really be proud of necessarily. Okay. Quality wise. It was just like, I'm going to recreate what I've seen elsewhere and then just put it in San Clemente. Whereas what I really wanted to do with Bear Coast was let it be a reflection of this community because there's a lot of artists, there's a lot of professionals, there's a lot of surfers, like a lot of professional athletes. Like there's a lot of cool things about this town yeah. you could really hang your hat on. And there wasn't really that much stuff culinarily at that point, except for one uh, restaurant that eventually was where we did our pop up, which was The Cellar. And since then, I've now realized there's a couple other good restaurants and stuff in town, but the one that I really liked was a farm to table restaurant called The Cellar. The owner's name was Dawn, a good friend of mine. And she let me pop up in there and test it all out. And so Bear Coast was a reflection of San Clemente. It, the, the name comes from the California flag and being literally right on the beach. So yeah. we tried to make it as simple as possible. We tried to make it sound like a surf brand so all the locals didn't have to think too hard. And, yeah. <laughs> uh, and I wanted something that like my coffee friends wouldn't roll their eyes at. And I wanted something that the locals wouldn't have to think too hard about. Because mm-hmm. if you try and get too fancy and heady with a name, it can kind of turn people off. Yeah. Not me necessarily, because I like thinking, but like, you know, you're dealing with a bunch of retired surfers. They don't want to have to sit there and take a dictionary out to figure out where they're going to eat, you know, get coffee. So, so yeah, Bear Coast was something that just naturally came out of trying to reflect the city. And I think we did a good job. I think it was fun. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. That's awesome. Hey, thanks. What, <laughs> what personally makes you motivated and passionate about coffee? Two things. Um, one is the beverage itself, and then the other thing is who you're serving with that beverage. Okay. And so the, the expanding answer to that is that coffee is something that never stops moving. You like it's a, it's a seasonal crop that you have to really pay attention to. It the like from the moment it's picked, you've heard the quality chain explanation of like at the moment it's picked, things start to degrade, and you have to try and make sure to maintain that quality. So that's beautiful. You yeah. worry about degassing and freshness. And then when you brew it, the brewing freshness, the parameters of the water that day, the atmospheric pressure, having to deal with dialing in the espresso to make sure that, you know, everything's dialed in and you're not adjusting it and too much in one direction or another. It can be different from one day to another. So it's, it's constantly changing. And I think that there's an aspect that I love, that a lot of us who are in this industry love, is the fact that it's different every day. Yeah. Even though it's the same thing every day. We're constantly trying to recreate something that's like quasi-romantic, which is a good cup of coffee, we have to do it in a repeatable way. So it's like, how do you do that? And yeah. so it's this great challenge that's the same but different every single day. And I think I just think that's beautiful. I think it's so fun. And then in addition to that, it's also the same thing with customer interactions and people. We have the same regulars come in every single day, but we get to legitimately check in with their lives and say, like, how are you doing? Yeah. Like, Kira, how are you? Like, how was that test you took yesterday? And I can't think of any other industry where you can do that as regularly. Like, there are people that have 
investments into people's emotions, like doctors and nurses and psychologists and all that. Yeah. But to have, like, I can't think of anything that's as regular. Unless you're, like, a daycare worker or a parent or whatnot or a teacher or whatnot. But even that, you don't get the one-on-one attention that you do with a coffee shop in a way that's so casual and so supportive in a very, it's called the service industry. And you're literally just serving people. Oh, and it's so fun. Just yeah. because they come in and they relax with you. They, their goal is to be able to come in and take an escape from where they're going or where they've been or what's going on that day. And whether it's studying for a test or it's a mom that's literally getting five minutes before she has to pick her kids up and then her day's going to be crazy again. Yeah. Like, it, that's the focus that my staff and I have on what we do. It makes us want to make better coffee so that those people have the right kind of break and luxury, but it also lets my staff focus more so on serving that person. So if they say grande or order a sugar-free vanilla frappy frap frap or whatever <laughs> they don't get mad they understand that they're literally trying to come in and just enjoy themselves and i just once again just like what i was saying about coffee is a beverage itself when it comes to the people like you end up just falling in love with all these people around you and you feel so much more involved in your community and that's why i think opening in the town in which i lived was so important yeah it's yeah you know you can just like sink your teeth in that that's like something you can really be happy at the end of the day about you know yeah that's a really cool mindset to have because hey, yeah. like because for me like i come into a coffee shop for the experience a lot of times or just to like hang out with the baristas and talk sure you know i i, I may know some of the science behind it but like the human interaction is the best part mm-hmm. um, but the science is fun too yeah the science you know is fun. it's like <laughs> yeah. that's the thing because it's like there's there's this whole hierarchy of, of enjoyment of a job and what and like all the classes that i've taken back in college and stuff i still remember like if you reach the pinnacle of your profession within the first month or year like it's boring yeah but with coffee just like beers like wine just like culinary arts in general like there's always more to learn more nerdiness you can enjoy yeah. and it's so great I have to call, I have to watch myself because sometimes people just want to come in for their frappy frap fraps or whatever and like I, I have to be like they don't want to know about refractometers they don't want to know about the TDS they just want to know whether or not that's sugar free and I will just <laughs> let this happen and still make sure to serve Becky your drink or, or Jim his drink and make sure he's happy that's funny yeah yeah um, what made you choose to be a multi-roaster instead of a roaster I knew what my skill set was uh, and I think that one of my skill sets has been cultivating uh, a culture of like a culture of enjoyment and community and coffee. Mm-hmm. And I've loved the like we were talking about craft beer before we started recording. I've loved craft beer for a very long time. Me too. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. <laughs> uh, and it's it's fun because I think that just like craft beer, like once you like go away from those like like natty ice and all that and you try your first really good beer yeah you just want to share it with everybody and oh. the thing about and I, i've definitely considered being a single roaster like i love for instance if i were to do it all over again and i didn't want to do multi-roaster i'd probably do counterculture mm-hmm. because those guys have it right they just have such a great mindset of what they're doing but one of the things i've really loved about being a multi-roaster is i've been able to develop a lot of great relationships with really talented and different roasters. I love what Eileen's doing up there at Ritual. I love the fact that it's female-driven and like there's not that many people like that in our industry. I love what is doing up at Heart. I love his story. He's from the action sports industry, just like a lot of our customers and surfers that are down here. So it's fun for me to like mention that Villay is the one that's in charge of Foo's Roasting. And they're like, Villay, you mean the snowboarder? I'm like, yeah, <laughs> like we sponsored him. That's so crazy. And then to be able to have this other gentleman that we work with out of, uh, named Andy Springer, Sweet Boom, oh, over there, yeah, yeah, out of Denver, Colorado. If you want to talk about like a kind-hearted, humble, understated individual, 
It's like once again, it's like I get to talk about all these people, like they're my friends, and it's and and then of course our friends over at Hidden House that we were talking about a little bit earlier that like they've been working really hard to improve their quality and improve it. And we didn't start uh, sourcing them and serving them until like about a month ago mm. because they've just been working at it and working at it and they weren't quite there. And they've just like, they just started making it. And you get to be a part of those stories without any worry when you're a multi-roaster. And, um, and you also have a litmus that you can compare it to. So it's not just one roaster that you just have to kind of shrug your shoulders and hope you're getting the best. Yeah. Which, the roasters out there that do it right, you don't really have to worry. Like, if I got only from Heart, I'd be fine. If I got only from Sweet Bloom, I'd be fine. I'd be, like, if Counterculture was the only people we got from, I'd be fine. But it's great for my staff to see what else is out there. So they don't have to drink the Kool-Aid to say, like, this is just what we serve. Like, what I had to do when I was at Pete's. Like, that's the only thing we could serve, and that's the only thing we could talk about. Yeah. And your vocabulary and your understanding is so limited when that's the case. But, you know, there's nothing wrong with sourcing from just one person. It's just, we have a lot of fun. It's, yeah. it's easy to have a conversation when you have a lot of places to pull from. Hmm. That's really cool. I just noticed the bear logo on, on, under, under your cups. That's yeah. really cool. It's inspired by like those <laughs> bulls you had when you were a kid and you finished your cereal. Like yeah. the very bottom of it. You're like, oh, look, I'm a winner. Yeah. That's super cool. Um, what, what coffee shop or coffee roaster has inspired you in any way? Uh, my favorite coffee shop is Minotti's up in Venice. I've never heard of that. Oh, they're so. great. They are just, it's, it's small, like us, uh, but it's, it's run by a guy nicely. You'll see like, some of the best latte you will ever see on the history like, mm. of latte art. It's amazing. But every time I've gone there, even when it's just line out the door busy, customer yeah. service has always been spot on. The coffee's always been served with professional attitudes, really kind, welcoming, and it's just always been good. And once again, one of my favorite phrases, I think, is understated. They were never trying too hard. They're like, this is what we serve. It's sophisticated and good, and we stand by it. And uh, that kind of simplicity was really, really fun. Because it was simple, but they still had some other fun, unique takes on beverages uh, and, and different flavors and stuff that they played with, and always very welcoming. It was a great example of where there was like this one end of the spectrum that I think intelligentsia really pushed, and a lot of people started going to that, that direction. It's like, only manual brew, we only do things a certain way. Handsome coffee roasters did it like crazy when they were like we don't have any cream or sugar or whatnot and it was like so far out that some people loved it it was like a very much of like a self-limiting like i want to try like the most prestigious version of this beverage by limiting myself and that, that was one direction and i think that what i see g and b which is another big inspiration yeah. for me, they're wonderful because they are the best in our industry but they're so accommodating and they're so welcoming and they have a lot of things on their menu and it's all good and it's an example of just this other direction that people have gone now. It's like, no, 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 maintain that quality. Just make sure everything you serve is up there. Just serve more if you want to. Don't feel like you need to have a very minimalistic, like, Nordic menu, which is what some people love. But it's, uh, so G&B, and I think nicely over there at uh, Minotti's, those are, like, some of my favorite cafes that I really, really loved. And, of course, I love the surf culture that Verve was a part of when they first opened up and stuff, too. And, and like, seeing what... Baca and Truby done up at Cat and Cloud, their attitude and relaxed nature. Yeah. Once again, it's like if you want to talk about bringing people into the fold of our industry, people like that, where it's just like it's not off limits, we're trying to include you. It's just so great because I think that there was a long time in which baristas were, we are over here, you're over there, we're not going to talk to you. It's, <laughs> which is the opposite of everything I was describing and what I like about cafes. So it's yeah. like I didn't identify with those kids too much. And then all of a sudden, people like Cat and Cloud and GMB and like, they start doing their thing. I'm like, oh, good. There are some kind, awesome people out there that are doing what we do. Yeah. So it's cool. That's awesome. Um, so I'm drinking one of your batch brewed coffees. Yep. Yes. Um, tell me a little bit about it. And you guys don't do pour overs. We do not. Okay. Tell us a little bit why. 
why you guys don't do pour overs and about batch coffee. Cool. Yeah, that's a Duratu. That's in Sweet Bloom, and they uh, it's a fresh Ethiopian crop that we just got. It's outstanding. I love it. Um, it's a wash process, pretty high elevation, and a bunch of other statistics as well. And uh, we don't do pour overs. Uh, a lot of people ask us that, and I think this is my. I'm going to give the long explanation. You can edit it down, but uh, pour overs have a tendency to be seen as more prestigious. It's like when people do table-side guacamole instead of like doing guacamole in the back and bringing it out. <laughs> it's like, ultimately, you're getting guacamole. Yeah. And it's amazing. Guacamole's amazing. But it's like, one, you saw like Ted make it in front of you or you saw Ted would make it in the back. The difference is that, that I think for pour-overs is that it's gotten this prestige mm. because it's manual. And it's gotten this prestige because it's a one-off every single time. And so this is made specifically for you. So for the experience, I think pour-overs are great. I think yeah. like adding to that experience and that conversation, it's wonderful. I think for the quality of coffee, it doesn't make a better cup at all. I think mm. that the problem is that people would pay more attention to their pour-overs and ignore their batch brews, and then batch brews got a bad name. Every single morning, we dial in that batch brew with more care than I ever experienced when I worked with only pour-overs. Like okay. when I was at Portola, and this is early on, I don't know how they're doing it now, but we wouldn't dial in. We would just do it basically. We'd have like the same grind setting for every single coffee and just do it and do it and do it. And if you had a barista having a bad day, every pour-over they'd make would be just made with angst and just like not done well. <laughs> they could, it could be channeling. It could have poor heat distribution. They could have like, like it could be a bunch of other factors because every single time it's resetting at zero. So from a quality standpoint, it's hard for me to stand behind it. When I know with a batch brewer, if you pay attention to all those parameters, you adjust that setting, you get your refractometer out, you make sure to measure it in the morning, and you do it based on taste like you really should be, and make sure your water's set. The heat retention in a batch brewer, the consistency of a batch brewer, which you do it right so far and beyond what a pour-over can be. Pour-overs can be really consistent. It just takes attention every single time. But when it's crazy long lines at our shop, which it thankfully can be, we're able to have produce a quality product in a tiny space for a larger group of people that we can stand behind and represent these roasters so much better than if we had a corner dedicated entirely to doing pour-overs. It would be messier, our, our baristas would be burnt out a lot quicker, and our customers would be more impatient, especially those that aren't used to pour-overs. Because yeah. they're like, wait, why is this taking five minutes? When you could just go boop and give me a copy? It's this perception that those of us that have gotten used to pour-overs, this quick pour, that looks cheaper. Mm. But for a lot of people, if you can express to them, like, no, this is what we do, and this is of the same quality of what you're thinking, I promise, but you're able to get it quicker, that's the only difference. Um, so I think that it's a matter of attention and perception. The, the batch brewers don't get enough attention when they're used. They just assume that they're coffee-making robots, but they're not. They're tools. Just like an espresso machine is a tool. Just because you have a Slayer espresso machine, in no way does that mean your espresso is going to taste good. It means you have a really nice tool. But you still have to pay attention to it and use all of your senses and skills as a barista to be able to factor in all of these variables. And all batch brewing does is nullify and standardize a couple variables so that you yeah. just pay attention to one or two things. So I think that, that's, that's, my, that's my long explanation. I think that pourovers are great. They just take longer, and there's a potential for more inconsistency. And I think batch brewers, when done right, it's it's it better coffee for more people. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My my uh, 
my uncles like always complain when I'm making a pour over because yeah. I feel like it's taking a long time. Oh, <laughs> see, I, I see, I give both sides of it because I just explained it for my cafe, but yet you know, coming to my house, I'm gonna be doing aeropresses and colitas all day long. Oh, dude. Yeah, yeah. just because it's like because it's a part of a process. Because like what I was saying before, it's an experience, and and when you're doing a pour over, you get all your senses involved. Like you can hear the water going over the bed of coffee, you can smell it, you can feel it, you can even like taste the vapors a little bit more. So it's yeah. all there. Uh, whereas like. That's just not what everybody wants. So your uncle, was it your uncle? Is that what you said? Yeah, 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 one of my uncles. Well, he's not really, he, he drinks all that, that other stuff. So that's yeah, like, sure, no, yeah, no. the unmentionables. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah I, had a, I was working at Portola, which is the fanciest of fancy. When it comes to, like, everything Jeff Duke and the owner wanted to do was manual. Everything. We had, and it was the most confusing, beautifully confusing menu ever. You had three different coffee varietals you could choose from. And then underneath each coffee varietal, after you picked which coffee varietal you mm -hmm. wanted, you had three different brewing methods that you could choose from. Nice. And then you would have to go over there and you have to wait. So it's cool. But then you get, like, my retired contractor uncle from Chicago show up. He's like, I just want a cup of coffee. I just don't, I don't know why. I just, give me, here's 50 cents. Give me a cup of coffee. Like, he didn't know what we were trying to do. Yeah. But it's the equivalent of, like, if somebody shows up and, and orders, like, you know, like, you go down there and you get an enjoy buy from Stone. And, like, you sit there and you're going to spend, like, what, like, nine bucks on a pint? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But it's amazing. Yeah. Because you're just getting there, getting, like, this fresh, top, fresh double IPA that you can only get for a certain period of time. And we all understand it. Mm-hmm. But you get a guy that's so used to ordering Bud Lights for like two bucks, and like, why am I spending like so much more money for this for this for this beer? And it's the same idea. And and then we also had two variations of espresso, and then you could get it like, oh man, it was so crazy. It was so much. And we 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 went insane there. It was so crazy. That's funny. Yeah. It's good what time. Is, what is your favorite like personal personally? What is your favorite brew method? Aeropress. I think Aeropress, when it comes to what I do uh, at home and stuff like that, it's just the most versatile, and it's the most forgiving, and it's the least breakable when you travel or have kids. Oh, yeah. And so it being made of plastic's really nice, too. I do, like, Kalita's right up there, too. But I think that I've just fallen in love with the Aeropress because it's easy. Once again, we, I was talking about bringing people into the fold. You show someone an Aeropress. One, it looks like a medical device. It's kind of funny. I think yeah. it's, like, interesting to show someone that, and they don't understand that, that like trumpet looking thing as a, as a coffee brewer <laughs> but uh, you try and teach them how to do a pour over there's multiple steps for those of us into it it's yeah. awesome because you want to learn all the steps but for someone's like look I just I don't want to buy a scale I don't want to buy a kettle I, don't wanna, I just want to get something a little bit nicer than what I have and AeroPress is such a great welcoming non-expensive way to do it mm -hmm. and uh, if you're making just coffee for yourself like it also lets people play around with concentration, TDS, and the op if you ever see the AeroPress Championships, it gets weird, but the options for variables in the recipes is insane. It's like, you can, you, like, you see people do inverted and regular, five different filters, like, and then, like, I stir it three times. It's like they're making a potion. It's wonderful. <laughs> and, and so I think the, the creativity behind the AeroPress is definitely one of my favorite things. Yeah, yeah. I, like, I like the AeroPress. It's easy to take on a hike. That's exactly it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Try and take a Chemex and everything else on it, yeah. and, like, all of a sudden, That'd like, difficult. yeah. yeah. Yeah, You're like it. rock climbing and there's a Chemex on your side? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was, I've made that mistake and traveled with Chemexes before. Oh, geez. Yeah, no, it broke that first trip. Like, oh, it, yeah, like it happened once and then I realized it was a stupid idea. <laughs> it was a stupid idea. What, what would you say is your um, biggest contribution to the com coffee world? Oh, geez, I don't think I've done anything. Uh, <laughs> I've paid baristas. I think that is the, that is the number one thing. Um, I don't know. I think that two things. It's definitely it's it's introducing people to specialty coffee that normally don't care. Yeah. And to be able to show like these people that are 
Like the what did they make you? Did they make you eleven or caramel? Oh, the, dude, yes. Yeah. So fantastic. so it's just being able to show people like, look, we're we're gonna be artisan. We're gonna take our time and make a bunch of amazing tasting beverages next to a bunch of motorcycles and trains and uh, <laughs> and just showing people the fact that it. You can have these variances and these options and these flavors, but they can still be something that you can be proud of. Yeah. Like you don't need to ignore flavors. You don't need to do that because coffee is an ingredient and a beverage. It's both. And and I think that the, like our lavender caramel is a great example of that. We make that in house along with our almond milk, along with our like vanilla nutmeg syrups, along with our ganache, like everything we make in house. And we do so just so people know that it's like we do this intentionally. So it's not just a vessel for sugar. It's something that actually accents and enhances the beverage. Um, so I think that we've done a good job when it comes to that and when it comes to my involvement with the Barista Guild and educating people and trying to boil down what coffee is in a very simple way. And I think that, that I and my staff has done a good job on that. But the other things that we've done is like showcase a little bit more so about utilizing social media and other things like that okay. to be able to break down the barriers and the walls between what we do and how our customers and our community interact with us. Like we do things like... I don't know if you've seen our tokens before. So we don't have gift cards. We have tokens. We okay. uh, that you can buy a token, and it's good for any beverage. And you can. It's a way to be able to save money because they're four bucks, and that drinks five, so they can show up and save money. But it's also a cool way to be able to have a tactile portion of our brand in other people's hands. And so we've use that to do scavenger hunts around San Clemente and then like customers will buy them and use them for like gifts and other things like that and I've been really proud of what our brand has been able to do to be extremely approachable really tactile and then not yeah. focus only on latte art or only on a lot of these nerdy things that we've talked about we like try and be able to involve ourselves in the community with both our brand and the surf culture and everything else, donating to schools, being a part of beach cleanups and whatnot. And I think that that's awesome. The setting that kind of standard is something that Bearcoast has done a really good job of. I'm really proud of that because when it came down to it, when we came up with our maxims and our business statements and all that stuff, the only thing that really boiled down to is that we want to be able to be as synonymous with this city as possible. Okay. And so that the city can be proud of us and we can be proud of the city. And I think that we continue to work towards that. We're not there yet, but I think that, that like the thing is, it's going to be a constant effort and con like conversation and that's something I'm really proud of and I think it's contributed well to at least the coffee community down here in San Clemente in South County. Mm, that's yeah. really cool. Tell us a little bit about your involvement in like the Barista Guild. What do you do there? So I haven't done much since we've opened this location just because I've been so busy with two kids in the location. That's like having three kids. It's like having three kids when you have another location. Uh, but I was just a, a part of the IDP program, so I was an instructor with them and just okay. helped, with, helped with like barista stations and tasting stations and educating, educating new baristas on just cupping terms and brewing terms and starting off with the basics because I think that what we ended up seeing a lot with the barista guild, at least that I've seen, is that there's you look at being a barista as everything all at once. Yeah. And when you're an instructor with the BGA and with the SEA, you get to be able to break it down and be like, no, let's, let's attack one thing at a time. Like, I know you want to be able to have this amazing palate. You want to pour amazing latte. You want to be able to dial in five coffees. You want to be able to handle a rush. You want to be able to understand origin. You want to understand all of this stuff all at once. But what you got to do as an instructor is like, no, we're going to work on tamping. No, no, no. We're just gonna work on taste. And when you taste this, don't try and taste everything once. Just taste for one thing. Like, calm down. Turn down the turn down the music. <laughs> like, you're very caffeinated right now. Cool it, cool it. Just calm down. And uh, and so my involvement with them is I was an instructor. Um, I got, I'm a certified barista level one. I never did level two or anything like that. And mm -hmm. just been involved with that. And then I've competed once. And I was gonna compete again this year, but got waitlisted. And then last minute, found out I was on, and then just didn't participate. But I've just constantly been a part of 
one, just the industry, just through friends and everything like that, and just encouraging each other to be able to set standards. It's the same reason why I'm involved with, like, triathlons and whatnot. You don't need to do these things, but, like, I think these competitions and the BGA and whatnot is a way for us to constantly challenge each other and set goals to be able to push our industry that much further. And so... So, yeah, I love the BGA, and then as soon as things calm down with this, I look forward to helping just instruct more of the baby baristas so they're not afraid of champion anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Um, what, uh, what would you say was the biggest hardship or, like, something you struggled with in building Beer Coast? It's, uh, unfortunately, really easy. Uh, opening this location is the hardest thing I think I've ever done professionally. It's because uh, you, as a barista, you're great at interacting with customers and other baristas, and you can even be good at payroll and a lot of those things. But when it comes to opening up a location, all it feels like is a bunch of people pushing against you. Wow. Not necessarily the case, but that's what it feels like because you're used to talking to your friends and your family and everybody else, and all they ever, all they ever say is, "Oh man, I can't wait. This is gonna be great." Then you go to your first meeting with the people at City, or your first meeting with a contractor talking about bids, and you go to your first meeting with your potential landlord, and all of a sudden these people aren't on your side anymore. They have their own interests, and and it's hard. And then it gets even harder when you get into the nitty gritty of it because you have to start factoring in what's important, what do I want to focus on, what is this design going to actually look like, am I making good decisions, who can I talk to, who can I confide in, and you feel very alone. And then at the very end of it, a lot of the time from what I've experienced and talking to a couple of my other friends like Truman at Hopper and Burr and whatnot, the, the people that help you build out locations have a potential to rip you off. And so it goes uh, even further beyond people not supporting you to like people legitimately trying to steal from you. And not always the case, yeah. but it's like all of this negative energy and whatnot makes you, and the darkest part about it is that you lose sight of why you did it in the first place. Those first conversations with your customers with your parents, with your friends. They were like, oh man, you're gonna do this? That's so great. At the very end of it, it's like, this isn't great. This is me by myself getting like robbed by like an overweight contractor <laughs> who's got my checkbook. And and so it's like, I, I think that the hardest part about it, and the main thing that if I ever talk to anybody that wants to open up a cafe is one, keep a dialogue open with people who've done it. Hmm. And to keep a perspective of like, yes, this is going to be hard, but there is another side. Like it's like all that stuff I just described, it's all done. It's over. We're paying our rent. Everything's fine. Like, we're profitable, knock on wood. And, and our customers are here, and it's getting better every single day. But it's taken a long time for me to, like, really let go of all that frustration I had of people making it difficult. Because, you know, I'm a barista. I wasn't a business owner. Yeah. And then I was a business owner. And I wasn't really much of a barista anymore. So you get to, like, re-identify yourself and then and not only re-identify yourself, with a different profession and a different identity, but you suck at it yeah. for a little while. After being like this rock, like rock star barista, I'm not saying I was, but people are like, I'm this great barista, I'm gonna make this great business. But then you look around, you're like, oh my gosh, what am I doing for marketing? Oh my gosh, where's my capital? Oh, where's my operating cost? Like, how do I make all of this stuff work? And now I'm luckily better at it uh, than I was before. But the hardest part is you, are entire, you feel entirely by yourself and you feel bad at your job. Nobody wow. thinks that. But it's hard. It's really hard. And you have to just kind of, once again, you don't look at everything at once. You just, instead of tamping, though, it's just like, okay, I'm just going to do payroll right now. Yeah. Okay, that's done. I'm gonna, okay, now I'm just going to worry about, like, okay, what are we going to do for merchandise? Okay, that's done. And then, and then i got to hire some more people. And just slowly and steadily, you're like, oh, that checklist is getting smaller and smaller. And it's like, now it's all within my wheelhouse. But, um, yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it totally yeah. makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I've. I've, I mean, talking to a lot of the coffee roasters and, and microbreweries, like, I've, I've, I've kind of heard a continuous story, like, of 
that it's it's not a beautiful picture. No. Like, I, I may be a cool barista yeah. at, at the end of the day, and people may love me and stuff, and I may know all my coffee side, but you need to know the business side as it's well. It's entirely true. Yeah. And I'm saying a lot of this tongue-in-cheek. Like, luckily, I have such a strong marketing background. I did a lot of that for Portola and helped them grow, and my wife and I growing her business. And, like, my understanding of social media is, like, not just, like, taking neat pictures of latte art, but understanding being able to how the Facebook algorithms work and everything. Like, yeah. A lot of that background made it easier for me, thankfully. But the feeling doesn't change. I yeah. think that I think that the, one of the reasons why a lot of people don't do this is because when you get into it, you're like, oh wait, this is hard. Like, this, and it's not hard because of anything else except for the fact that it's like I've never done anything like this, hmm. and uh, and I'm glad it's over. Yeah, I'm glad it's over. if I ever open because that was the first time and only time it's ever going to be like that. If we ever open another location, it's going to be so much easier just because I'll know one when I'm like getting screwed over, and then two, like I'll understand what goes into it. Like, yeah. I'll just know what's important, what's not, what to focus on, what, what I shouldn't, what breaks quickly, what doesn't, what I should spend more money on, what I should spend less money on, and, uh, yeah. That's cool, man. Hey, thanks. <laughs> it was a learning experience for sure. Yeah. Um, what's your favorite Spro drink? Um, just a one-in-one. I love one-in-ones. I love just, like, a really, like, a slightly cooled single shot cappuccino and a shot of espresso as nice. far as my espresso drink goes just because it's the sweetest the milk goes and you get to be able to see what that espresso tastes like in both ways mm. and it reminds me of my times up in Santa Cruz because I feel like that's where the one in one was born and uh, but besides that I also like something called an Italiano that some people just a short Americano where it's a shot of espresso just over a little bit of hot water Sometimes we let the crema sit on top and then scrape the crema off and just pour the body of the espresso into it too. That's pretty good. It's just a way to be able to taste some natural sweetness without as much of the CO2 and the brininess of the crema on top of it. So, mm. um, yeah, a one-in-one or an Italiano. Those are my two favorite espresso drinks. But my go-to drink is brewed coffee all day, every day. Nice. Oh, my favorite for sure. Mm. Do you have a, a favorite region that you prefer over others or nope you love all of them I mean, uh, okay fine i mean i have to I've, you just caught me like i just responded the way i do as a boss when i'm talking to my baristas because they get so mad when they're like oh i just want to be able to have a really aggressive acidic ethiopian i'm like yeah but we also have customers so let's just worry about everything uh my favorite uh my favorite at least my best experience so far has been just like you give me a katura from colombia like, chances are I'm going to love it. Like, either a, a Hondo or, like, a Honduras or a Colombian coffee that's, like, a like a Katura varietal or one of its cousins, like, I usually love them just because they're so drinkable. A lot of times it's, like, a lot of brown sugar and nut, and it makes me really nostalgic for a lot of the early coffees that you all fall in love with. Like, there's, like, a, like a lot of the original uh, blends and whatnot that a lot of people learned about with coffee usually had, like, either a lot of Brazilian or a lot of Colombian and whatnot, and so it's, like, it's a better version of what we remember. Yeah. At least to me, that's what I've experienced. So I, I usually like that area a little bit, but I like them all like they're my kids. I like all of them for different reasons. <laughs> love me my Kenyans. If, if you want to win a competition, you use a Kenyan usually and all that kind of stuff. And so, uh, yeah, no, I like them all, but usually like if you give me like a really good Colombian coffee from Heart, I'm probably going to like be sitting happy. Yeah. 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 Heart's fantastic. Oh, they're amazing. Oh, gosh. Um, what... What would you say you would love to see change in the coffee world? Focus less on cool pictures. <laughs> Honestly, 
<laughs> like every, I feel like like everybody's judging each other's cafe. They have no idea what the finances are of that cafe. But all of a sudden they're like, dude, you can check out that guy's Insta. It's amazing. And don't get me wrong, I love a good Instagram, but I just want business owners like your Instagram's important. But if I like see another like hipster barista like not making like just like looking off into the distance while pouring lots of air, like it's just it's 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 a part of our industry that gets more attention than it should. Yeah. It's one of the reasons why it's like, I love latte art. And I love cool Instagrams. And I love all that. But I think that it's a detriment for people to focus too much on latte art and too much on just really neat Instagrams and not enough on personality and interacting with your customers and maybe posting a picture of that customer of yours that comes in every single day that deserves some recognition. I just think that's a little bit. Whenever I see that on other people's Instagrams, they're not better pictures, but they're usually cooler stories. They'll like find myself... Maybe it's the dad in me now. It's like, like, it's like, oh, that stuff doesn't matter. Just, just, just I'm going to go power wash the driveway. It's, it's, but it's uh, like when I see the reflection of those communities, it's so much cooler. It's one of the reasons why I actually like Cat and Cloud does a great job because I think yeah, like yeah, as, as popular as they are, like they do a lot of stuff where it's just tongue in cheek, just showing what the cafe is doing, what the baristas are doing. And, and a lot of the time, luckily they have good cameras and stuff and it all looks fine. And sometimes they post latte art because they're all amazing at latte art. But I think that they do such a great job of just being who they are and letting that personality come through. So I think I'd love to see more of that in our industry because there's a lot of really cool people in our industry and if they worry too hard about being cool then they're not themselves. Yeah. And uh, they should, you know, enjoy themselves, make more Star Wars references and stuff yeah. like that. Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. And you know what? I'll just say this. Just don't take themselves as seriously. Oh, God. I think that'll be yeah. it. That'll, be, that'll make me the happiest. Yeah. And whatever that is. Or like show that coffee. Oh, man. Oh, yeah, yeah, just yeah. Don't let the health department totally see everything you do. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, just don't take yourself as seriously. I think it'll be really important because it makes you more approachable for everybody. Yeah. Especially because you can be incredibly successful and tongue in cheek at the exact same time. Mm. So I hope you can. Yeah. Yeah. So here's a really important question. Okay. I feel like the most important. What's your favorite Star Wars movie? Oh, I don't know yet. Uh, because not all the good ones have come oh. out. <laughs> well, Empire Strikes Back is my favorite. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's always been my favorite. Though I've really loved what they've done with the series recently. I think that, that Rogue One was a wonderful departure. Oh, I love it. Was, that it was so stylized, much. beautiful, fun, new characters, a great embracing of like a lot more ethnic diversity, which is awesome. Like, my family's Mexican and whatnot, so yeah, I was like, too. yeah, so I was like, oh, like, which you couldn't tell growing up in Irvine and stuff like that, but I mean, I love being able to just see the fact that everyone was like embracing their accents, it was really cool, and, and it just, you, you feel like kind of a little bit more proud of Rogue One, being like a reflection of where we are as a society a little bit more, so, so it was cool, I really liked it, and you know, God bless George Lucas and what he tried to do with those prequels, but those were just not those good, terrible, they man. were just not good, I'll yeah. watch some of those lightsaber battles. Oh, at the time, but yeah. our bar was set so low because we hadn't seen anything in decades. But, like, yeah, no, I think, yeah, I think Rogue One's up there, at least for the new stuff. But Empire yeah. Strikes Back will always be my favorite. Bye, John Carter. <laughs> um, I think, uh, but I, I totally am trying to raise my kids on it, too. And it's tough, though, because they're really young, so they still get freaked out by some of the stuff. But Disney luckily owns Star Wars now, so they have a Star Wars marathon every year. Oh, wow. Yeah, and so being a runner and stuff like that, so I, I, I did it with a couple friends of mine. I did the Star Wars 10K and brought my daughter, and so she did the, the little young Jedi dash. and nice. like, Yeah, so I like totally have pictures of like my three-year-old like running surrounded by a bunch of Star Wars stuff, and, <laughs> and like I, I still like I get choked up thinking about it because it's like it's combined. It's, like, yeah, exactly. Well, it's, it's like it, it is on my phone. I definitely show it off quite a bit, but... Uh, what's that? 
Yeah. Oh, for sure. I will totally show it to you. Yeah, she, she, she did a good time. She, she ran pretty fast. She said a personal best. It was great. And, uh, no, Star Wars is awesome. I love anything. I, I'm a big sci-fi fan in general. Like, I have my Kindle as, like, my indulgence mm-hmm. on a regular basis. So if you ever want to talk to me about Dune or Hyperion or, like, any of these other nerdy sci-fi books and stuff like that, including Star Wars and Star Trek, mm. one, uh, it makes me always wonder how I got married. Just because yeah. of that. <laughs> and then, but two, it's, oh, I just love how creative all that kind of stuff is. And it's really fun. Anyway. So how do you, how do you choose your copies or who... Who you're gonna display to roast? Um, which roaster you're gonna display? Just all about like who we carry and why we carry them and the relationships. So when it comes to vetting the roasters that we use, I mean the number one thing we do is a blind cupping. Like when we get samples from people, we put them all on our cupping table and we just don't label them. We just taste them and see how they do. And we rate them and and decide which ones we like. So that's of course foundational. I think everybody does that. But the other secondary step that's really important to us. Uh, has to deal with their interactions with farmers. Like, how are they getting this coffee? And, and then the last thing is, is this something that's treated seasonally? So the thing that I was mentioning about what I love about this beverage that I think is a really good uh, point to be able to maintain quality and to have conversation is making sure that what they're getting is seasonal. Like, this coffee won't be here forever because it's a seasonal beverage. It just is what it is. And, um, and so if they meet all those criteria, if they taste really good, if they're paying the farmers what they're supposed to, specifically through direct trading and stuff and direct contact, and then in addition to that, they're treating these coffees seasonally and understanding that how much that factors into good roasting. I'm not a roaster, but I understand it. And I understand like that seasonality is incredibly important. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at our shelf, every single one of our roasters, do, they do that. And they, like Andy over at Sweet Bloom, he flies the, the farmers out to his location and, and they cup together in Denver. And it's just beautiful, it's really cool. But, um, so it's, they're all good quality products that are represented well. So it's easier for us to then talk to customers about it uh, because it's the same for all of them. I mean, even when it comes to blends and whatnot, because we usually get like the hometown blend, which is the espresso blend from uh, Sweet Bloom, and then we get the stereo blend from Heart, just because they're definitely blends that taste great and our customers like them and stuff. But even those have some transparency that we can talk about. So that kind of transparency and stuff's really important. And if it t- and besides that, we'll get them from just about anywhere. But the only reason why we usually don't serve people is usually just if it doesn't taste as good as the stuff we're already serving. Mm. Yeah. Have you met any of the people that Well, not as many of the farmers as I'd like, but I've like every single one of the roasters I've definitely met. See, oh yeah, yeah. So yeah, Andy was out here with his son uh, recently. He. Uh, he sat down, we had some coffee, we chatted competition and coffee, and then he and his son went down to Star Wars Legoland and, and, nice. and did something that we'd, of course, be proud of. And, uh, I'll have to talk to him about that. I'm yeah. seeing him next month. So. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's so great. I have, yeah, I have, I have such a roaster crush on that guy. And, yeah, uh, he's a cool guy, man. He's just so nice. Yeah. Uh, somebody that talented doesn't need to be as nice as he is. And he is. <laughs> and it's so great to meet people like that. And, and Ville was down here as well and spent some time down here with his wholesale representative guy, Ryan. And Yeah, and it was great because we have, have these really good relationships and they'll make suggestions for how we're brewing, how we can adjust things because a lot of these guys batch brew like what we do and stuff as well. So even the way that we set up our Curtis is a little bit closer to how Hart does it up there in Portland. Uh, we've changed the baskets out. We have a deeper bed and we're really happy with that. Um, just because uh, the other thing I'll say is that we have to adjust what we order based upon what's going to be good for our customers too. Like if we get stuff that's really aggressively fruity, we love it. But our customers don't always because they want to be, they're, they're just coming in saying things that we've all heard like, 
we want something bold, something dark. And so if you give them like a, a nutty Central American coffee, that's usually a way for them to be able to ease into specialty coffee rather than just a fruit bomb of an Ethiopian or Kenyan. It's just they would yeah. turn them off to it. They'd think it was flavored, which has definitely happened before. And then, of course, Eileen and Ritual Coffee, those people up there were my first wholesale account that I ever worked with. So they, they I've definitely spent time with them. And, and Eileen had just had uh, her daughter right about the same time I had mine. And so we were chatting babies and whatnot. So, yeah, I have a good relationship with all of our, our roasters. And Hidden House, of course, is one town over. So, I mean, heck, like, we borrow filters from Ben. Like, so, like we swap, like, we grab cups from them and they grab cups from us and vice versa and stuff. So, yeah. Being good buds with your roaster is really smart. You should totally do that. You get better coffee that way. Cool. What's your biggest um, mentor? It could be in life, it could be in coffee, whatever, like your person who has influenced you? Or... I'd say my wife. Okay. Yeah, I'd say my wife. She's, she's uh, when it comes to both, we feed off each other quite a bit, but when it comes to tenacity and business mindset and whatnot, I think that, that she's definitely been up there. And besides that, like my father and my brother have definitely been they're both really wonderful business mindsets and stuff, and they're really good at numbers, which I'm not great at. But, yeah, my wife. She has her own business. It's ten times more successful than Bear Coast ever has been or will be. Mm-hmm. And um, she continues to be able to push me and make Bear Coast better than it is. And does a great job of, like, burning off the chaff, like, the stuff that's she's like, Jeff, that's not important. Just focus on this. And then I'm like, oh, you're right, you're right, you're right. It's, it's not as important. And then the stuff that she encourages me to focus on usually makes us more successful and happier. So... Yeah, my wife's pretty cool and very attractive. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what, what would be your advice to uh, somebody wanting to create a coffee shop or a small business? Figure out why you want to do it. Uh, I'd say that's the main thing. It's just why are you doing it? If it's to make money, don't do it. If it's to be a barista, don't do it. Uh, it if it's because you feel like you really have something to say, then you should probably do it. Hmm. Uh, because it's more work than any of those other reasons are, are worth it. Like, it's not worth it for the money. Like, I still don't take a paycheck. I, I have to, I'm still paying off credit cards and stuff like that. And we're a pretty, pretty high-volume shop. Like, we're doing well, and it's still really hard for me. So I think that if anybody's thinking about opening a cafe, just ask why are you doing it. And, and if you sit there and you daydream about stuff that's not the things I just mentioned, yeah. then you should do it. It's totally worth it. But if you want to be a barista, just get a job as a barista. And then you, I'm sure you'll be stoked. You'll be totally happy. And you'll make tips. You can leave it all at work and go home. But being a business owner means that you're wearing that every single day. It's like seven days a week, 24 hours a day. They're the ones that you get called. Like that's mm-hmm. just what happens. It's like being a parent. And, and it's really similar to that. Like, if my friends of mine that are thinking about being parents, I'm like, okay, why? If it's to have fun all the time, then you shouldn't be a parent. Yeah. Uh, if it's because of the fact that you just, you know, you, you're, you're in love with the idea for all these other reasons, then you probably should do it. But, um, yeah, my advice is just make sure that you know why you want to do it. And then make sure you have something to say. Yeah, because, once again, if you're doing it just to be able to make something that looks cool on Instagram or, or whatever it is. Like, I actually don't want to make fun of anybody too much that looks good on Instagram. Uh, but... Like, just, yeah, make sure you know why you're doing it. And, uh, like, if it's because you want farmers to get more recognition, that's beautiful, you should do it. It's like, mm-hmm. if you want to be able to serve a community you live in, beautiful, you should totally do it. If it's because you have a whole bunch of disenfranchised people that aren't being represented in the coffee industry and you want to hire them and support them, you should do that. Like, it, like there's got to be a reason behind it that's more so than just being the best. Because being the best is great and stuff, but I think that it's not the thing that will carry you through. Yeah. Uh, when you're, like, up to your eyeballs in debt and, and you're, you know, don't know what to do and all that kind of stuff there's like 
that story you're telling is going to be a far more important thing that drives you through than anything else. Okay, that's cool. Well, what, how could people connect to you and how could people find you on social media and stuff like that? The great part of being a very small coffee shop is all social media goes right to my phone. So just like you can just Facebook yeah. message us or find us on Instagram is usually the easiest way. Like, uh, or you can email me via our website or they should just come on down. The weather is very nice down here right now. Mm-hmm. And the beach is really nice. Oh, yeah. It's just, uh, all of it's just Bear Coast Coffee. So bearcoastcoffee.com is our website. Instagram slash Bear Coast Coffee. Uh, Facebook slash Bear Coast Coffee. We try and keep it simple. We even have a Snapchat that I don't really use, but it's also Bear Coast Coffee. Yeah, and Snapchat's slowly dying. Is it? Yeah. I, I feel like because Instagram got the stories and stuff. So well, I'm just, I, 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 I feel even older because I hire a bunch of like 18 year olds and I'm only 33 but still it's like I feel like such an old man I'm like I'm not going to do this Snapchat thing I'm just going <laughs> to stick to what I know and so now I'm thankful that it's dying because I never took the time to learn it so I'm glad that it's I can stick to what I know um, but yeah those are the ways Instagram's the greatest way to contact us because I'm usually on that and like updating our story and checking in on my friends and stuff like that and uh, yeah cool. anything else you want to know? well um, not, not really well, yeah, we covered I, a lot yeah I've, been, I've enjoyed like the beach and being out here outside it's pretty nice yeah, right yeah like i think that like the hopefully people get the idea of the fact that literally we're staring at the waves right now and like, yeah and literally we've had like two professional surfers walk by <laughs> like as we've sat here yeah. so it's it's like it almost seems like a hyperbole when we try and tell people like no we are literally on the beach and we are literally in a surf community it is it is it is quintessentially what we are mm. and it's so fun oh it's so great well, thanks for being on the Low Key Podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. I hope yeah. this all made sense and I didn't talk too much. Oh, no, you're fine. Okay. All right. All right. All right. We'll see you guys later. Guys, thanks again for listening to the Low Key Podcast. want to thank Jeff from Bear Coast Coffee for being on the Low Key Podcast. And if you're ever in the San Clemente area, go check out Bear Coast Coffee and see what they're brewing. Also, if you subscribe to us on iTunes, go rate and review us. Give us five stars. It'll help us out. And if you listen to us and don't subscribe to us, subscribe to us on iTunes. And also, if you want to check out what's going on with Loki, go check out our website at www.lowkeypodcast.com. And check out our Facebook, like our Facebook, and go follow us on Instagram to see what we're doing or where we're going next or hear who we're interviewing next. So guys, I want to thank you guys again for listening. And keep it nice, keep it easy, keep it low-key. Thanks.